Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Mark chapter 14. It's good to be uh, looking at these gospel accounts, and this is the home stretch here in Mark, just the last few chapters, um, really getting into the betrayal, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And uh, so, yeah, everything seems to slow down in Mark. Um, it's just this, I mean, really, just it starts off this way. It was now two days before the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it's just, it's very, I mean, hour by hour at this point. Um, a lot of significance here in this uh, part of Mark. And also just, uh, it's its own really perspective here. Yeah, it's the stuff that you see in the other Gospels, but uh, the way that Mark puts it together is always, um, and there's a couple of these interesting details, like wh- who's the young man that runs away? Uh, things like that kind of uh, give us a little bit of a unique insight into things. Longer chapter, though, so we're going to kind of pick up the pace today. Uh, really good stuff to be looking at. And joining us today, we have one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor Doug Nicely, pastor at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. How are you and the people at Collinsville doing? Uh, hi, Pastor AJ. Good morning to you. The people in Collinsville are uh, restricted, but we have come up the last couple of weeks with what is called drive-in church. Okay. Which means that we have a couple of fellows uh, who are uh, connected to our congregation who are amateur radio operators, and they have a low-powered nice. transmitter FM transmitter, so the people drive into the parking lot, turn on their car yeah. radios, and they can listen yeah. to our church service. And I'm out there in the awesome. middle of the parking lot so they can see me. So uh, there you go. Yeah, just like a drive-in. Cool. Yeah. So it's, it's worked out okay. Uh, I don't know uh, how, how it is in, uh, in, in Orange County, but um, in uh, southern Illinois, uh, everything is just kind of tentative because the governor hasn't decided exactly how and when we're going to be doing this or this or this. So uh, I might be doing this uh, drive-in church one more week, or I might be doing this drive-in church for one more month. We'll see. But it's worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, well <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's great that you guys are, are figuring out a way to make it work. So important not to to give up on meeting together as the body of Christ and finding ways to do that uh, yeah. safely, even times like this, as a witness. Um, well, I mean, just you know, to each other and uh, to the world about you know what is what is important and essential during these times. So, yeah, brother, thank you for your witness and your example this Very morning. Uh, you know, and it's it's interesting. I, I think that the ideas of of witness and the body of Christ they are really at the forefront here in Mark chapter fourteen. You know, like, how do the disciples, you know, react? You know, like, uh, here comes the pressure. Here comes pressure, um, you know, even even some, you know, pressure from government sources, right? And how are they going to react? Uh, how does the Lord Jesus react? Uh, these are all the sorts of things that come to the fore in Mark chapter 14. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it looks like uh, we have quite a, quite a task in front of us today. <laughs> we'll give it a try. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, uh, let's go ahead without any further ado. Would you please then open us up with a prayer? Lord, I'm so thankful that uh, we were able to join together with Pastor AJ today, and uh, all of us are ready, willing, and able to listen to what your Word has to teach us. 
um, would that we could be just as happy and joyful uh, when you finally reveal your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, as the disciples ultimately were. But we are right where they are sometimes uh, because we're not exactly sure what's happening. But we do know that it is all, all in your hands. And one of the things that is absolutely amazing to us in this chapter and many chapters in Scripture is you know exactly what you're doing and that the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So looking at this longer chapter here, um, yeah, well, one, one of the longest chapters in Mark, if it's not actually the longest chapter, 72 verses, um, we're going to go ahead and read the whole thing straight through, um, and then I'm thinking we, we might not be able to have really a t chance to talk about every single thing in the chapter, but we'll kind of maybe alight um, on a few different parts. Um, before we read the chapter, though, I mean, anything that we should be keeping our eyes and ears out for, um, any re recurring themes or kind of like big ideas that kind of come out, especially as you look at the whole thing together? Well, I'd say the big idea is that, uh, number one, Jesus was well aware of what he was doing, well aware of where he was headed, well aware of uh, this being pivotal for God's plan of salvation for the entire earth. Number two, um, we, we uh, have, of course, Jesus is the theme throughout the entire chapter, but it's important for us to see the people who show up in the midst of this, uh, of this chapter and they all have something important to teach us about how we also can be followers of Jesus, even when we do not follow wisely or well. Yeah, very good. I think that you do see that, that contrast there, and we'll see it back and forth, uh, the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus, like you were saying, just how he was, I mean, just, just eyes ahead, face like flint, right? right. Um, and then, but then the, the faltering uh, ways of the disciples. And so, yeah, I, th I think we'll see that in, in a few different ways. Without any further ado, here it is, Mark chapter 14 here in the English Standard Version here from the top. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him, for they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. And Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, and you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go to prepare for you to eat the Passover? 
and he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know it, what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. 
and they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about their testimony did about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What's your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to, said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Thank you, Pastor AJ. That was courageous. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it really is, it really is, uh, I mean, quite, quite the chapter. And it just, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. And no part of Mark goes so slowly, right? It's just, it's just kind of scene by scene by scene. It's um, just like one thing after the other. And it's just, it's so interesting how Mark slows it down. And all the evangelists do where mm -hmm. it's just every detail here is really important yes. for what's going on. Yes. I have a, I have a long church reading story to tell you. Okay. This goes, this goes uh, way back before I was a pastor, but I got it from another pastor. Uh, right. I remember in the old days when we uh, announced a reading uh, on Sunday mornings, we'd say, this is from St. Mark's Gospel, verses 1 through whatever. 
Oh, the sure. longest reading we have on Sunday mornings is the raising of Lazarus, and that's uh-huh. chapter 11, verses 1 to 54. Supposedly, one of the men in the congregation heard that, and uh, as he stood up, he uh, he muttered to his wife, oh, darn, although that wasn't exactly the word he used. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, the lectionary readings uh, vary uh, by by length, kind of substantially. Sometimes I, I think there's like a few gospel readings that are just a few verses long, actually. But um, yeah, it's kind of all over. But but yeah. So I mean, interesting though. When when you do read it um, all together, it's I think kind of like you were saying that you just um you you just see these different responses, right? Like on on the one hand. Um, I mean, really, I think especially Peter, right, gets contrasted with the Lord Jesus, where the Lord Jesus is just, I mean, just so forthright, and he's and he's just he's not a he's not afraid with the people, right? He's like, you know, hey, you know, you you saw me, what, why, why are you doing this? This is underhanded, but you know what? All right, let's let's go, um, you know, let the scriptures be fulfilled. Uh, whereas you know, Peter is you know you know hiding, right? Um, you see that contrast, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And I think you see that with Peter denying, with Peter and James and John falling asleep, right? They're all you know willing to be with him, but they're falling asleep, right? Yeah. So that spirit is strong, flesh is weak. I mean, even with the Lord Jesus being in anguish, I mean, you see that going back and forth. Yes, uh, but, you know, but Peter— uh, much to his credit at this particular point, seems to be aware of what is happening himself. Uh, when yeah. Jesus talks to him, uh, he says, um, um, what's going to happen to him? You all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, you will go, I'll go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, listen to this, even though they all fall away, I will not. Right. And uh, then and- later he says, Emotion, emphatically, if I must die with you, I will do not, not deny you. Right. Yeah, so, so at least they were aware that there was something very dramatic that was happening. And they were aware that something was going to be horrible by the time they got finished with this evening. That's right. It's not as if, it's not as if Peter was—I I mean, sometimes people— we, we, we kind of look back on Peter and try to give him a hard time and say, oh, Peter was, you know, he's just the guy who just says things and he's just reckless, but he's really, you know, faltering and cowardly. I mean, but like you were saying, to his credit, right, he's actually one of the disciples that follows. I mean, albeit at a distance, but he, but we know from John, it was, it was him and uh, John who, right. who go and they actually go as far as the high priest courtyard. So that, I mean, they get pretty close to what's going on, right? I mean, they're, they're sort mm-hmm. of putting themselves in a precarious situation, which is of course, why they get identified, and then why he ends up denying the Lord Jesus. But, I mean, as far as we know from the rest of the Gospel accounts, I mean, the other ten were just not around even. So right. it's not it's not as if Peter were, I mean, was the most cowardly or something like that. I mean, it's really, when you consider the, the danger that he was willingly uh, approaching, right, it's pretty understandable. Yes. And so there's there's something that can be said, but uh, uh, Peter, just like uh, just like so many of the important people in the scriptures, give us a true understanding of what's like to be a follower of Jesus. That means, as Saint Paul makes the point, point over and over again, that we are sinfully redeemed, 
And uh, there are there are absolutely amazing things that happen, even in spite of what happens to Peter here. Well, and and then one of those amazing things is at the very beginning here, and it's it's fascinating here that it also, I mean, so we got to talk about this here, right? His his anointing. I yeah. mean, this is this is really something that, I mean, of all the responses and the reactions to Jesus in this chapter, this it seems is the best one, yeah. um, and it's not even one of the twelve disciples here. Um, this lady is, is uh, yeah. Uh, it, apart from Jesus, this lady is the hero in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much what the Lord says there, right? It's there. In, what is it? It's in verse nine. I mean, it's it's quite quite the statement that the Lord makes in verse nine there, right? Wherever this gospel. Uh, is told, right? Mm-hmm. It says there, right? And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. I mean, which is really striking, because in this chapter, right, you've got the words of institution, do this in um, remembrance of me, right? And just like you said, well, now we got something like in memory of her. So, I mean, yeah, it's well said. Uh, aside from the Lord Jesus, I mean, this is the other hero of, of Mark 14 here. Yes, um, let me let me read you some uh, some preaching notes on this. Jesus is not implying that the woman has any actual knowledge of um, his coming fate. She mm. has simply acted spontaneously out of fullness of her heart. She has, in fact, gone intuitively right to the heart of things, cutting through the male objections on the one hand and contrasting with the male plots on the other. Nothing, uh, not, not for nothing is this story sometimes held up as an example of a woman getting it right while all, all around her the men are getting it wrong. And the question for discussion here, how do we sometimes react when people seem to worship Jesus without in, inhibition, pouring out their valuables, their stories, their dancing, their music in ways that we feel aren't appropriate? Boy, isn't that a commentary on how Lutherans worship? Well, I mean, it's it's been really it's been really interesting these these past uh, couple of months, um, just talking about you know what is and what is not appropriate in terms of worship, for example, right? right? right. I mean, we, we've been we've been dealing with these questions a lot, you know, and uh, I mean, just I mean, talking about you know things like you know like we were, you were saying at the top of the hour, uh, like like drive-in church, right? Um, you know, I mean, there were conversations about, well, what, you know, what's what's reverent enough, right? And uh, would would that be appropriate, or would that be appropriate um, in terms of safety at this time, right? And a lot of questions about, you know, what exactly is uh, going to be meat right and salutary, you know? So what what things uh, would what, should we scold, right? As the disciples here were trying to scold, um, or is, is I mean, the, the thing that this reminds me also most parallel is, uh, of course. Uh, elsewhere in the gospel, you have the disciples scolding the little children, right, who are coming yeah. to Jesus, right? And again, and Jesus, hey, just just lay off. That's, this is nothing uh, inappropriate at all. So, I mean, it really is a, a live question, you know, like, how how should we come to the Lord Jesus? What What is the appropriate way, and, and what is not? And I, and I think God's always surprising us with that. That's the point we're, we're making this coming Sunday when we celebrate uh, Pentecost. I'll remind you that the day of Pentecost started in uh, the upper room, and yeah. it ended up in the middle of the city square. It had nothing yeah. to do with being in a church. <laughs> oh, church. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was in the midst of, of, of the Lord's you know, little church, those, uh, those few hundred who— 
remain faithful or that 120, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think there's something interesting too about about this little group here that's in in Jerusalem for the Passover. But uh, we'll have to take a short little break before we get back to that point. Everybody, hang on. We're yeah. looking at Mark chapter 14 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard, aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. The coronavirus has come with controversy and quarrels. Few agree on what should or should not have been done. Dr. Matthew Harrison compares this confusing babble to the Bible's Tower of Babel, and he tells how Jesus brings the word of peace to those who have grown weary of words. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Our creation is the result of a fluke and accident is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Mark chapter 14. Big chapter here. It's this beginning of the Passion account here in Mark. We're joined by our regular guest, Pastor Doug Nicely, pastor at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. If you've got any questions or comments for us here, we are doing this live. It's a big chapter, but it's okay. I think it'll work out just fine. Give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Or if you're on Facebook, you can put a comment or question right into the live stream box there, facebook.com slash aj.espinosa. Also want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. Their website is lhfmissions.org. All right, so turning back to the chapter here. So, you know, we were, we were looking at this. I mean, it really, it really does speak to us. You were just saying, brother, you know, this question of, you know, so how, how do you approach the Lord Jesus? And it is interesting, and, and I liked the, the bit that you read for us. You know, she approaches the Lord Jesus, and what, what he doesn't say is, 
like, oh, well, this is the only person who gets it, right? <laughs> like, no. like she has like full knowledge of like the, the whole thing here. Um, I, no, I mean, I mean the, the word there was intuitively. That's, that's kind of interesting because, you know, when I, when I look at this, it, it, this is interesting as far as, as far as I can make the best of this, uh, this seems to be talking about Mary of Bethany, um, is, is, as best as I can tell. She's not named here. <laughs> what, what, what's that? It's debatable. Yeah, 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 that's right. No, that's right. People have had different takes on this. Um, yeah. it, but, but in one of the parallel accounts uh, in, in the Gospels, we do have her actually named um, as, as Mary of Bethany. So it's kind of a question of, is there somebody, you know, are there multiple women who are anointing him or whatever the case is? But what seems likely to me anyway is that, you know, we, we see that he's staying there in Bethany um, for this whole week of Passover. And then every morning he wanders uh, back into Jerusalem with the disciples, and in the evening he heads on back to Bethany. So it seems like he's staying um, either with, with Mary and Martha and uh, Lazarus, or he's staying at Simon the leper's house. I mean, whatever, they're all neighbors. Um, but it, it just by the timeline here, it says here this happened two days before the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Right. And the other Gospels were told it happened at earlier points. So it, it seems like this happened perhaps even multiple times. But this last time, she goes, and this is the only place where it says this in the Gospels, it says in Mark, she broke the flask and poured it over his head. So if she's done this multiple times before, well, now she broke the thing and poured out everything that was left. And whether she knew exactly you know, the full significance here, right? That's not really what's going on. It's just that the Lord Jesus, he knows what the full significance of this is, even if no one else gets it. And then it's so interesting how he challenges the disciples on this. It seems like they're being reasonable, right? He keeps doing this. He keeps challenging people who seem to be reasonable, right? Like, hey, we're just, we're just selling, you know, uh, sacrifices to people who came from long distances, right? You know, yeah. how could they possibly expect to bring in an animal without blemish? That's very difficult, right? It's, it's, we're helping people to worship. And, you know, hey, there's this fig tree. It's not fig season. Why, why are you cursing it? So he mm-hmm. keeps challenging people who seem to be reasonable. Hey, give money to the poor. That seems reasonable. But the Lord Jesus, he says, you know what, guys? Like, yeah, you're saying things that seem reasonable, but I see into the heart and I see sin. Mm-hmm. It's very important, uh, Pastor A.J., for us to uh, mention the significance of the time that he has chosen to have this supper. This was this is not a coincidence either. This was this was the observance of it says the Passover, the feast of the un, the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread. This would have been to this day when the Jewish families gathered together for their Passover meal. And the Passover meal was very significant. It reminded people of their deliverance from captivity in Egypt. No matter what happened to the children of Israel, and what a great, what a what a great um, thing it is for the, this to have in, in their minds. No matter who had conquered them, and Lord knows there are about five or six different emperors that had conquered them over the last five or six centuries. They knew that they were people of freedom because they knew that God had freed them. And every year they gathered together to remember uh, the uh, the Passover and their crossing uh, through the uh, through the Red Sea uh, and, uh, and and their journey to the Promised Land. That was what the Passover was all about. Right, and, and so Jesus and so here, saying this is 
a new Freedom Night. That's right. That's right. That, and so, and we, and we saw that too when you were looking at we were looking at the Transfiguration. I think it's Luke. Um, it wasn't actually in Mark, but Luke actually uses the word. I think it's Luke um, that they were discussing his Exodus, right? And so there there seems to be certainly a, a very deliberate connection. And of course, in John, uh, you actually get him called the Lamb. Uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there is another uh, Passover connection. But so, yeah, just just by, you know, having this, you know, on, uh, you know, leading up to this here, the, the connection is 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 made very, uh, I mean, I mean it, it, the Lord Jesus, he's making the connection very strong. But it's interesting, this timing, it works for him and the purposes of God, but his actually timing that is bad for the authorities, right? I mean, isn't that interesting that just right before this this episode, uh, what, what do the authorities say? Like, well, they're looking for an opportunity uh, to to get him, but they're like, well, hang on, hang on. No, no, not during the, not during the, the Passover. No, not during the festival. There's going to be a ton of people here. He's really popular. It's going to be chaos. No, no, not, not during the, the Passover festival. Yet that's exactly what ends up happening. Yes, yes. Uh, and once again, I think it's all in Jesus' hands. And that's exactly how it's happening when it's happening. And and even the people who have political authority and religious authority don't have any control over it because it's all in Jesus' hands. It, it is. And I think that one of the things that is suggestive of that as well, the idea that this is, this is all really unfolding um, at his initiative here and impulse, you know, here it doesn't single out Judas uh, when it comes to the disciples' objection. Uh, in every case where this story is told in the Gospels, where uh, the, the woman anoints the Lord Jesus, the disciples have a problem with it. Uh, in mm-hmm. some cases, Judas is mentioned in particular. In yeah. this case here, all the all the disciples are convinced, yeah, no, this is this is a waste. You know, maybe she could have poured a little bit on the Lord Jesus and then, you know, sold the rest still, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, not, none of them like the idea, but it is interesting that it says... Right after this happens, this is this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Judas says, "Enough is enough. I'm going." Right, and, and Judas, like because of this this final confrontation and this scolding that the Lord Jesus gives them, says, "All right, I'm I'm going," and he goes and betrays him at, at this moment. I mean, isn't isn't that interesting? That you know you know it's it's almost. I mean, Judas is doing what Judas is is doing. I mean, he's not under a spell. He's not possessed is it's not mind control of course there's a satanic influence here right. uh but you know he, he's he's he has his reasons but it's because the lord jesus in some ways confronted him again so strongly that there there came this breach i get the impression that uh judas uh in his own little mind was trying his hardest to be able to cause jesus to become the messiah the way most of the world around him expected him to be the Messiah, to be the new King David. And when it wasn't happening that way, he decided that he was just going to throw Jesus under the bus. Well, yeah, that, or, you know, it's, it's interesting here, you know, it says here that Judas seeks to betray him. It doesn't actually say anywhere that Judas wanted to kill him or or have him killed. And it is interesting how later we're going to, and of course, this is what we'll see, um, you know, later in in the Passion narrative, you know, that once uh, you get to the point where it looks like he's he's going to die, um, you know, Judas is is full of regret then. And so you wonder, right, if, if like you were saying, this is really about Judas trying to exert control 
and say, hey, look, no, I, I know how this Messiah movement needs to happen, right? It needs to happen in this particular way, not in this way. And so maybe the betrayal is his way of trying to get the powers that be to exert their influence, say, hey, 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 simmer down. We're, we're not going to do this, you know, this, uh, this way that you're going about it. We're going to do it this way. Um, but then once he sees that, you know, I mean, it, it, the, the, what he's actually started is going to lead in his death. Um, he's full right. of remorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's the, uh, uh, that, that's the, that's the theme behind the Lord's supper. And it's, right. and it's interesting that you have, uh, have this, this plot of Judas all twisted around also with uh, Peter's declaration of his loyalty and G- Jesus uh, uh, claiming that he is going to deny so uh, deny him. So basically, Jesus is left pretty much alone. That, that, is, that is something, right? I mean, it seems like on the one hand, um, this is all according to his plan, uh, that, you know, he's aware of the timing. Um, you know, it seems like he's he's like, the last time that he was in Jerusalem, he must have like made an arrangement without the disciples even realizing about it. Right? There's this man carrying a jar of water. There's an there's this arrangement. So it's like all according to plan as far as it goes with him, right? But all the disciples, uh, they, they're just you know like hang hang on what um what's going on here? Uh, and it's just yeah you're right. Like they're they're not with them on this. It almost it almost feels like that's why the Lord Jesus had to make these arrangements kind of apart from his 12 because his 12 weren't going to go along with this plan. And they, they really, they really aren't. And remember James and John um, even, even set up their mom to ask him, can we sit one at your right and one at your left when you come into your kingdom? They had this, they, they had this, uh, this King David glory stuff down in their heads and were well aware that uh, when Jesus finally won the victory, they were going to sit at his right and left hand. That's right, and, and we and we saw that there was like the contrast there too. There's the uh, the blind man, right, who's just saying, "Lord, have mercy." Yeah. Uh, but then there's 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 James and John who are saying, "Hey, can we can we have some glory here at the right and left hands?" And I mean, they're not even you know. We we saw again. Let's not be too hard on them. Uh, they they seem to to be willing to like Peter like yeah we'll we'll, we'll go with you we'll we'll die we'll suffer, um, but they just but are are you really you know again the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak um, and and on a certain level all you can do is like Bartimaeus just admit uh, the weakness of, uh, of of the flesh you know that that yeah you know we all of us are, are we all say right when we uh, do confirmation that we all would uh, rather suffer death than to fall away from the faith. And we say that, you know, I, yes, I, I will with the help of God. Uh, but you know, man, the flesh is weak, certainly. And so when they get to Gethsemane, um, and, and once again, this is a smaller version. I realize we talked about how big this chapter is, mm-hmm. but this is a smaller version of what you see, for instance, in John's gospel, where Jesus is in Gethsemane for a couple of chapters in John's gospel. But this is, this is very dramatic. Because you, you understand that Jesus knows what's happening, but he's not in any way, shape, or form uh, self-possessed or arrogant about it. As a matter of fact, he is crushed. And that's what, that's what the Garden of Gethsemane is all about. Strong and it's, in our lives suddenly becoming weak. Uh, that's, that's right. Well, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating because it shows just how, I mean, willing the spirit of the Lord Jesus is 
um, to do this, right? I mean, and in the end, he even does this, you know, he prays, you know, not my will, but your will. But I mean, but he still has, you know, albeit not a sinful flesh, but he still has a, uh, he still has humanity. <laughs> and, and like any human being, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't want to be abandoned by his friends. Yeah, he doesn't, I mean, I mean there's so many things about this, just as a human being, he doesn't want. Um, and, and very naturally, as you're saying, you know, he experiences uh, this, this anguish here. Um, even even while he is so sure of himself and and confident, and you know he he makes this kind of you know just cold cal- uh, cold prediction. He says, you know, Peter, you're b- before before we even get into you know the third rooster crow. I mean, you're going to deny me three times. I mean that that's how bad you're going to deny me. You know, and uh, just to to think about the significance of that. So you know, like so, like you were saying, I me. Mean, so this is a very interesting picture here. On the one hand. This is, you know, the Lord Jesus enacting the will of God to perform this Passover, right? Like, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, I, I mean, like, and, and, the, and the words that he says there, right, um, like the new covenant, you know, again, th- that's also Passover language, because what happened, right? You've got this Passover, um, and then there's this, this covenant where you've got, you know, they reach the, the mountain, they reach, uh, they reach Sinai, and, and there it is, the two tablets. So, um, it's like this all going according to plan, but on the other hand, it's it's betrayal. So there's this, there's this paradox of the will of God and and the will of man. Uh, we have actually a couple of questions I think related to this. Um, I'm glad we go went, we go ahead and have them on the phone here. We got James on the phone. James, I know you you sent in a, a couple of questions uh, via email. I'm hoping maybe you can clarify those for me, kind of about um, transgression in in uh, ethics here. So brother, yeah, thank you for joining us this morning. Can you, can you hear me all right? Or do we still have him on the phone, Stephanie? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello, That's James. Nicely. Yes. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Good morning, James. Okay. Good morning. I, uh, I wanted to make an effort to uh, call today because I wanted to uh, speak with Pastor Nicely. He is one of the original uh, people that I met uh, tuning into the Bible study. And right. I wanted to ask him. <laughs> and I wanted to ask him uh, uh, if there was a way to find his Do You Have a Minute uh, excerpts he used to have on the KFUO. Uh, they were so very helpful to my family and I, and I was just wondering how can I uh, get access to that? James, actually, I'm sending, I'm sending them out every day in, in an email right now. Oh, and uh, and I'm sending them out to about a hundred people. But okay. um, so I'm willing to add names to my list. Great, great. I will leave my email with the uh, maybe with the call screener and yeah. possibly get those. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Give okay. it to Jenny. She can email it off to me. And uh, you know, and and, uh, and and the daily email is called. Uh, it's called the Daily Journal, but if you open it up, you'll see it's called Do You Have a Minute? Thank you so very much, Pastor. Uh, Pastor Espinosa, you can go ahead and uh, uh, address the questions the way you feel fit. 
Yeah. Th- thank you, James. Thank you, James. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm always happy that we're connecting uh, members of the body of, the, of Christ uh, over the radio here. Good, very good to be connecting in the word and in prayer. And uh, yeah, thank you, Pastor Nicely, for uh, for that. Just uh, it's, it is it is really nice sometimes just to send out little little short things, um, just to kind of you know give everybody just kind of a minute, even or just uh, five minutes, just as a short little reflection. Well, what's um, interesting about this is that it started up with the pandemic. Oh, really? And 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 all of a sudden, I decided, much like what James just said, uh, that I have all these files. I might yeah. as well use them. So go. that's what I've been doing. I've commu- been communicating with everybody every day uh, in this manner. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, just another little way to kind of help stay in touch, right? Right. Um, all right. Well, so turning quickly here to uh, James's question. So um, the question he sent in, he was talking about transgression uh, was the question. And um, so the, the word transgression here doesn't uh, necessarily occur, I think, in chapter 14 of Mark, but um, you do have, I mean, in some of the parallel accounts, yeah, you have some of this. Um, and this is this was something that really actually struck me um, a while ago. And, and maybe this is a, just a good time for it here. But so, you know, when the Lord Jesus is before Pilate, so this is anticipating it a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a really interesting moment where, you know, there, there's this confrontation and he's like, hey, don't you know? Um, that I could I could have you killed I could I could have you released right um, and then you know the Lord Jesus I, I think it's actually in I think I think it's in it's in Luke um, I think it's Luke yes yeah but so so there in Luke that you have this moment where he says well you know uh, you wouldn't have this power unless uh, it was given to you from above and also um, you know even even at that uh, the one who uh, gave you over to me is the one who has the greater uh, transgression or, or sin, right? Um, and, and so I think there you've got that, that idea. And then, of course, the, the word transgression comes up also in Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, forgive us our trespasses um, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so what, what's interesting just, just briefly about that is I had, uh, I, I, had, I had looked at that before. I don't know why. I guess, I guess I'd always have thought that when the Lord Jesus is speaking to Pilate, he's talking about Judas. Um, because I just you think of like Judas is the betrayer, right? And he's the one who, who mm-hmm. did all this, uh, you know. So you think of him, um, you know, in the statement here, you know, better for for him that you know he had never been born. But actually, the one who sent the Lord Jesus over to Pilate was the high priest. I mean, it's the, it was the high priest in the Sanhedrin were the ones who actually made the decision to send him over to be killed. And so I, that like that had not crossed my mind that actually, I, I mean, in, in the context of what he's saying, um, he's talking about the the trespass of the high priest. And so I think that's actually kind of a very illustrative of what the word trespass means, um, you know, or uh, transgression, right? That idea trans, it's going beyond, going over, stepping overboard, going too far, uh, is is the idea. You know, if there's a line in the sand that you're not supposed to cross, you cross it. Right. If there's a tree in the middle of the garden, you went too far and took from the wrong tree. Uh, you, you go, you do too much. And so uh, that idea that the high priest exceeded his own authority, that, that the high priest was not acting as God's high priest, you know, that, that there's a vocation that God gives us. And when you act according to it, uh, this is pleasing to God. But then when you go beyond, you step outside of that vocation that God has given you, you try to do something else, 
that's transgression. So I, mean, I think that's kind of the, the way the Bible talks about this as a way of talking about sin, that God gives you a role, he gives you a vocation, he calls you to something, it's a certain area, and then when you go beyond it, when you leave it, when you step beyond it, now that's the trespass then. Then, then, that, becomes, then that becomes deadly. That's right. Um, yeah, um, the, the, the analogy I use is of, uh, of a dog, a, a mad dog that's on a chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, one or two things can happen. You can either go inside of the chain, uh, which, which, which makes you very vulnerable, or the chain can break. Hmm. And I think, and I think what, what's happening here when, when we talk about transgression is people being aware that they're, they're by a mad dog, but they intentionally go inside the chain. And then they're right. surprised that the dog attacks them. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that's right. That's right. It, it's it, and it's not as if you know God is sending these bad things, you know, um, you know, onto us, like like he like he wants to have us suffer. It's not as if um, God puts us in situations where he, you know, he's the one who's tempting us. I mean, James says in his epistle, let no one say that you know God is tempting me, right? Like, no, we're we're what happens is you're, is you're tempted by your own desire and that, that gets carried away with you, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's right. It's it's that we we are the ones who are the, who take who take too many steps forward and get too close, right? Right, right. It's interesting that even though then once again you have God's control in mind here, when in John's Gospel, where the high priest talks about that, he he talks to the the council saying, "Don't you know that it's wise for one man to die for the whole nation?" That's right. And and uh, Saint John makes an editorial comment saying he said this by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that really is something, right? That like it, it's another one of these moments where he doesn't know how true his words are, right, right? right? Just like just like the woman anointing him doesn't just doesn't know how profound that really is. There's all these things that we'll only see um, in in hindsight. So, so yeah, so there, there's there's a lot of things going on like that in this chapter, and I, I think that uh, you know when we when we get here towards the end of the chapter, you know, he, the Lord you know says this: let the scriptures be fulfilled. Right. Um, you know, I mean, like, so all this stuff is going on, and they don't know how it's fulfilling everything that's that's been laid ahead. On the one level of, of human uh, will, it's just betrayal. It's it's dishonesty. It's cowardice. It's uh, sleepiness. You know, but the, on there's this higher level that's the will of God and the fulfillment of the scriptures, right? And so that's just an amazing commentary than how God is working through all these like seemingly crazy little things that are going on, which of course is very applicable to our own moment here, where it just seems like, you know, I mean, so uh, people exaggerated things, people went too far, they overstepped their authority, um, you know, pe- other people were fear-mongering, pe- other people were getting impatient and were being callous and uncaring, and we're looking at all this different stuff. But on top of it all, on this other level, there's God working through all these things. And he can fulfill words that we say and words that we write and words that we speak in ways that we can't comprehend. That's right. Uh, a little, just a little uh, preview for this Sunday for people who are about to celebrate Pentecost. We all are. Right. Uh, remember, St. Peter, when he preached his sermon on the day of Pentecost, did not have it written. <laughs> <laughs> he he had to do this he had to do this uh spontaneously and in that sermon he quotes three scriptures and i would imagine that joel and uh and and the two quotes from the book of psalms written by by david that joel and david would be absolutely amazed yeah. at how jesus had fulfilled the words that they wrote mm-hmm. 
in the way that they were fulfilled. I think so. Um, I, I, I think so. I don't think that anyone, I don't think any mortal, right, has has any, has, has a true vision of just how glorious God can just take the words and just make them bigger. I mean, that, that's the whole idea of re- recreation and resurrection, right? That God takes all this stuff and then makes it bigger and better than our wildest dreams and uh, just... I mean, it really is something, it's a thing of encouragement to us Christians, that as we are faithful and we know that these things that God has said are good, and we these are these are good words from God, we don't even know how good, <laughs> and God's going to continually show us and surprise us. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left here, maybe just a minute or two, actually. So, uh, so two, like, little details, right? So one is, okay, let's just go ahead and ask the question. It says there's this young man who's, like, seized, and then he runs away naked, only in Mark is this mentioned. That seems kind of random. It's given just its own little paragraph and a heading. What's going on with that? That, that seems like a little detail. Like, where's the significance in that? Well, uh, tradition has it uh, that Mark was talking about himself. Uh, and that's not unprecedented. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see in uh, the book of Acts how often Luke talks about himself and talks about him uh, and, and, uh, and, and Paul and Silas as we all of a sudden. And this seems to be the way it works. John, in his Gospels, for instance, does mention himself, but, uh, but only does it in an indirect fashion. He never mentions John by name. Right. Well, no, no, that's right. And so this would be fitting with that style. And also, I mean, just look at the words, right? It says, you know, ran away naked. You know, naked is never just a a word. I mean, I mean, that it means, it means shamed, right? Ashamed. And so I think this in some ways seems to be Mark actually admitting this and confessing this, um, yeah. that, you know, hey, to my great shame, I ran away. And I, even I abandoned the Lord Jesus, which, which is really something because then when he tells the story of Peter, like we've been saying, it's saying like, hey, you know, at least this guy— he got close, right? Like he was willing to go into the high priest's courtyard, but even even brave, bold Peter, right, uh, denied three times, which was a, in that culture just a, you know basically legally binding, right? So you see that the difference, our, our faithlessness and weakness, but the Lord Jesus, His forgiveness, His atoning faithfulness as the true Son of God here. Thank you so much, brother, taking us through this big chapter. God bless your celebration of Pentecost. Thank you. You too. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Doug Nicely, pastor at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Okay, here it is, last two chapters. Moving on to Mark 15 next time. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.